Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey, now everybody, welcome to episode 390 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. We're getting up there uh, in, in episode numbers there. Damn. Uh, I'm Trevor Anderson. Send you over to Jason Rugard. He's got a rundown for us. On tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about the new film Strays, the movie you may have missed in theaters that's premiering on Peacock, as well as The Continental, also on Peacock, and Guy Ritchie's The Covenant on Prime, as well as uh, Totally Killers. Is it Totally Killer? Totally Killers? I don't know. It's uh, uh, plural, totally singular. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, one. there was a lot of them. I, I saw a few minutes of this movie, but I know you watched the whole thing, so we'll get into that. As well as trailers for the latest Nicolas Cage A24 collaboration called Dream Scenario. Jason Statham's latest, The Beekeeper. He keeps making movies. And let's not forget this. Lastly, what was the last trailer? I forgot the last trailer. It was so good. It slipped my memory here. Um, uh, Silent Hill. Dream scenario? No, Silent, oh, Silent no, Night. The, the John Woo movie. In fact, how could I bury the lead no, and not Night. tell... Silent Night. Thank you, Silent Hill. I mean, Silent Hill would be a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I buried the lead and did not mention that I saw Expendables 4, and I will be talking about that on this episode as well. Uh, that's how memorable that experience was, to give you a little spoiler on there. But first, let's do a little trivia. What do you got tonight for the All trivia right. book? <clears throat> Let's see what we got. What film marked Robert De Niro's second appearance in a Martin Scorsese picture? New York, New York, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, Raging Bull. Taxi uh, Driver. Must the first. No? no? Mean Streets is the first. Ah, uh, I forgot about Mean Streets. Um, okay. Well, in that case, that is correct. All right, let's do it again. I forgot. Uh, I forgot Mean Streets existed. And I want to watch that. I, I'm not the biggest Mean Streets <laughs> fan, to be honest. I think Taxi Driver is, I, but I is the brilliant seen it forever. one. Really, I tried to watch Taxi Driver not too long ago, then I couldn't get through it. I haven't seen it so since I it was re-released about 20 years ago for an anniversary screening, and it played well on a big screen. Though I'll say that it, it was creepy still. Yeah, big screens. I don't know. Yeah. Let's see. Six thirty-eight. Okay. Forrest Gump tells the president, I got a pee. Which president does he say this to? Nixon, Kennedy, Carter, Johnson. Is it not Carter? No, it's Kennedy. Is it Kennedy? Correct, Mundo. All right. Let's see if I can get a clean sweep on three tonight. We got to keep going here. Hot hand. 1868. All right, all right. This is really jumping around today, so... Yeah, we're in all sorts of genres and eras, and um, uh, yeah, it was going from one end of the of the book here to the other. It's fucking it's mental gymnastics. Okay, eighteen sixty-eight. Oh shit, I see a picture of Burt Reynolds here. My boy, Bertie. I don't know if this question's about him, but he's he's on this page, so he's with you. I feel comfortable already. Uh, <laughs> All right, we got uh, Back to School is a 1986 comedy in which middle-aged Rodney Dangerfield returns to college. Hey, uh, can you name the popular novelist who makes a cameo appearance as himself in the film? Uh, Vonnegut, uh, we got Norman Mailer, uh, John Irving, Joseph Heller. I want to say it was Mailer, yeah. I mean, that would be, yeah. No, was it Vonnegut? Oh, fuck. Interesting. I haven't seen Max School in a while. That's tough. That was a tough one. Well, you got that one wrong. Yeah. Bert failed you. I know. You threw me <laughs> off with the Bert. I got I got in the Bert mode here, and you went back to school. I thought, hey, Rodney Dangerfield, what are we doing here? Sorry about that. Yeah. I don't know. Polar opposites, Bert Reynolds and Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, shit. So, uh, Bert Reynolds is the picture for uh, the guilty pleasures section of this <laughs> quiz book. <laughs> did you follow the, right. the Rodney Dangerfield movies past Ladybugs? Did you Did you see anything past that? Oh, did you know I don't. He made movies like past that. I mean, yes, but I don't know what they are. I haven't seen a Rodney Dangerfield movie in a long time. Easy Money is still classic. I would have obviously. to look up. I can tell you they're awful. It's like my five wives. Uh, something, yeah, I, I mean, I own that one. 
there's a uh, there's another one. He's um, in jail. It was awful. At the end of his career, it almost became like Ernest movies, like Ernest P. World movies. Yeah. They just kept showing up on video um, store shelves. Yeah, my five wives. Oh, The Godson. There you go. Yeah, with Dom DeLuise. Yeah. And they did the, the voice for that rusty Yeah, it is uh, bad. thing. That's right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, Meet Wally Sparks, I guess, is the last real one. And that, I think, was like late 90s, um, 97 or so. Yeah. And that was dog shit. Let's be honest. But he really didn't make much after that. Just just those things, you know. Fourth, fourth tenor. Uh, oh, back by midnight. I do remember this one. That's the jail one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, it's almost unwatchable. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, hey, he 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 got his paychecks. He still gets no respect, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, definitely now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about a movie that got no respect in the theaters, and that's Strays, the Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx comedy. I guess you could say that they voiced, or they did voice the, the main dogs that are acting as the, the main characters, but they're not really in the movie. It's just a, a voiceover job. And this was shunned in its theatrical release. It's now on Peacock. I got a chance to watch it over the weekend. I thought this was a serviceable comedy, nothing special. Uh, I had a few laughs that were pretty big. I, I thought the, the, the gag where they ate the mushrooms was, was pretty good, and um, a couple moments in the beginning with the owner um, were amusing. But overall, for a short film that ran 98 minutes, I was pretty done with this at about the midway mark. And while some of the voice casting was clever, I thought Sofia Vergara as the couch, you know, was was cool. And um, Feral is okay. I kind of like that. He's basically doing a version of Buddy, right? The Elf. It's like the super good, all loving, um, really innocent character. And Jamie Foxx is is funny, but he's doing the motherfucker Jones character from Horrible Bosses. So if you like that, I guess you'd like this. And it's. It's not bad. It's not gonna, not gonna waste your time watching it. But it's nothing to write home about. I guess it's a, a mild recommendation for me, is what I'm giving mm. this one. Yeah, I mean, if you liked Homeward Bound two, Lost in San Francisco, <laughs> and you were a big fan of, of Babe Two Pig in the City, <clears throat> yeah, this is right up your alley. This is a terrible movie, man. I mean, there's there's no redeeming quality to this. I like the the bad owner idea. The dog still loved the owner regardless of that. I thought that was. Yeah. About the only smart thing. This is a real low IQ movie, and I don't really have a problem with a lot of movies that are lowbrow comedy, which this is, but it's just so fucking dumb. Um, like, dog dicks really aren't that funny, man. You can make a whole thing about dog dicks the whole time, and just weird shit like that. This is just a movie that it felt like people were just fucking off when they made this, the whole thing. It's just, it's not a serious film by any means whatsoever. It's a doodle. I didn't find it funny either. It's basically a doodle. It's a, it's a, it's a first draft in a lot of ways. Um, I forgot about how obsessed it was with dog, in San Francisco, dog babe dicks. Two, babe 2, Pig in the City. This is, this movie skips the first good movie and just makes the this shitty sequel right away. <laughs> well, I did think it was clever that the, that the owner kept trying to get rid of him and his yeah, loyalty I like to him. I like the premise of it like that. But other than that, I, it spends way too much time on nonsense shit. I don't like any of these characters. I have no nothing no feeling towards anyone in this. There's no point to the movie. There's no nothing. You just get nothing out of this by the end of it. I can see why it didn't perform at in the box office. It's perfect for streaming. Yeah, it's dog shit. Uh, yeah, and it, ultimately when you, you realize it after a while, you're just watching animals run around a screen with voices. It's just people fucking around. Hold on. There is a couple gags that work, though. Like I said, the mushroom gag, and I did like when they came across the dog at the carnival who was doing the dog's purpose thing where it was narrating the human's life. I thought that was yeah. clever. Like, there are some bits in here that do really? work. It, How it, hard every, did you laugh at Dennis Quaid? I mean, that was awful. That was a terrible that's cameo. Fucking, that's the whole movie as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it was just shit like that. I thought the dog narrating the human kissing was gonna be was funnier than the actual Dennis Quaid cameo. Sure. I, some of it, I, I agree with you. They were they had like very minute, small moments. And I do like the, the idea of the film. There's just no uh, heart in this movie at all. There's no point to the film. It feels like people were just checking off boxes when they made this movie. And then they thought... You know, if we just make some really crude uh, jokes, it'll it, it, we're making a kids movie for adults. But 
I'm an adult. I don't want to watch a child's movie. And it's ultimately what this is. It's a bunch of animals running around, even though they're being forced yeah, to say. It, it, there's nothing shit. intelligent about the movie at all. It's just, uh, it's not, it's hardly a story. Although if you're in the right type of mood and you want some sort of mindless, there's um, no right cheap type laughs, you can I find something else. Okay. And there's no cheap laughs. There's not, there's not enough laughs in this. Uh, it does feel long though for a short film. I have mm-hmm. to admit on that. That's because sequences are very long. There's, there's that whole sequence where the dog's trying to get a boner. There is that. And it just goes on and on. There's a lot of shadow work in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's well, I wonder how much of it's CG as well, because, uh, it seemed like they were really well, doing a lot, a lot of, of this, but at the I same mean, that, time, the facial expressions and, and obviously the mouth. The facial expressions, the way that they now shoot these animal movies, like it just the whole thing feels so staged and unrealistic. Like if you ever do go back and watch those, uh, the Homeward Bound like remakes and, and even um, the Babe movies, everything feels more real in those. Like even though obviously those are staged as well, they're the animals really are doing all the acting, and with the digital stuff you can uh, take diff- the animals from different takes. You can put, not have them in the scene together. And so you can get the perfect uh, rhythm and the perfect, uh, you know, physical movement stuff out of all the animals together. It just looks weird. Like I don't see dogs sitting around t- looking at each other like that. I never do. No, it, it's so point. awkward to see it. It's not realistic on any level. That's a good point. I'll give you that. All right, let's move on and talk about the next film tonight. Uh, that's uh, the TV show, actually. I want to talk to you about The Continental. This is the John Wick oh. show that premiered on Peacock. It's a three-part series each episode. Uh, they say episode, but they're hour and a half long. They're, they're mini-movies. It's a mini-series, really, yeah. Yeah, a mini-series. There you go. Uh, we're released every Friday. Uh, as we record this, only the first one has been released. So only Trevor and I have seen the first one, but we're going off uh, what we've seen so far. And um, I got to say, no, I think actually they've released a couple now. I was going to say, aren't aren't all of them maybe released at this point? I don't even know. I'm not watching them. uh, I've (laughs) seen the first one. And (laughs) I got to admit, I like what I saw for the most part when it featured the characters that I liked. That being the uh, the Winston Scott, obviously, who I tuned in for, and his brother, the character that I didn't think I would like, but, you know, the... The mystery of the brother and what he's yeah, doing, and he's, you know, the beginning of that. And I really liked what Mel Gibson was doing. I thought he was struggling with the Boston it, accent. If they just stuck to I that the whole way through, Great. I would probably have been a lot more interested in it. But there's too much other characters. Why are that we I don't focusing on these other characters yeah. that have nothing we to need add to, make to a, this? We need to add a lot. We need we need footage, I guess. Couldn't we have just made Time? this one mm. movie then? Couldn't we have just made this prequel movie and cut out all the bullshit? Yeah, or you could have just made these a lot shorter episodes. They don't have to be like three-hour long damn things, you know, however long. How long are these? About an hour and a half each. Yeah, so you probably could have done like a – it would have been far more interesting to have like 40-minute episodes, and you probably could have done more than three at that rate, and you would have had more than enough time to, to just focus on what you want – on what you should have been focusing on. I don't know. I don't need other characters. I don't need a world. We already know the world. Um, yeah, this should just have been way more interesting and it's just not, I'm, I don't really, I'm not interested in watching any more of it. It pains me because I want to recommend it. I liked what I saw when it was doing what it was sold to be doing, like that opening action sequence. Even when the kids were uh, in New York and it was black and white and it started, I thought that was kind of gripping. And then it goes into that 1970s. It has a beautiful oneer. This is directed by Albert Hughes, this pilot episode, where the brother in the very beginning walks into that Studio 54 club, has all these interactions, mm-hmm. and walks out. It's a beautiful one-shot. And then that great action sequence, and they really do uh, fulfill the promise of the fact that the action is where they said it was going to be. But the story, my God, when it, it cut to that, the female cop, uh, I, I was like, yeah. where are we going here? And then now you have the gang, the street gang with the other, with the, it's just, yeah. uh, what now? I said, we are, we've gotten yeah. so far off the beaten path that I forgot I was watching a story about Winston in the Continental in the John Wick well, world. I was- I was a little worried when that when the brother was so good, like I, already. I thought, oh my god, here we yeah, because here we are. Because John Wick is John Wick, right? So here we are now. This dude's already John Wick. Like 
we're going to have a problem here. But they actually uh, played it off pretty well. That nobody else is like that. It's just he's just fucking good. You know, Winston still happened to be Winston. I was afraid they were going to make Winston like some sort of an action star. Well, he's not. So I'm glad he's not. Um, I, so am I. So I think you're right. Like when this thing's focused where it should be, it's pretty good. But there's too much fat on this. It, it makes it like you got to sloth through some of these just. Uh, boring ass sequences and after a while, after 10 minutes on some other characters i'm thinking what the fuck am i watching i forgot like where where are we what's going on get back to the other shit yeah it's people shoehorned in for either um a, a diverse diversity writer or um just is overall that what it is i don't know, i don't, I don't know. understand why it's like this it's really piss poor but uh, you think about the characters that they're shooing in. Um, it's an interracial love story, and then the other is uh-huh. a, is a multi ethnic street gang. And without that, there's not really much diversity in this world. So I could see where a writer's room would come up with that. And I'm not trying to be political or even make a statement here about any of that shit. I'm just saying it feels like a, this was a writer's room idea, and someone said we need to expand this, we need to broaden this world because it's not. But then if you look at the actual movies, it's a worldwide. They could have done that better. Globe trotting the way they did it here yeah they could have introduced other killers and things and had people um involved in a way in a much funner more streamlined way this really this movie or this show whatever the hell it is it goes forward as you say with uh an interesting storyline where the guy's kind of trying to figure shit out and then it breaks away and does some other whole fucking thing. And you're like, well, I was involved in the other thing. Why am I watching this shit now that I don't care about? I don't literally don't give a shit what these people do or how they do it. It's like watching you know? a Kingsman uh. movie and then going to watch a Sidney Lumet film out of, because it tonally it shifts too. Yeah. And it's just cutting like away, but it's taking so long. It's not like they cut away and like, here's some filler uh, in between. So you can like, so they can, move the story along uh, outside of your view so they can go someplace else or do anything like that. That's not what they do. They spend like a, a solid amount of fucking time on somebody else's bullshit. And it's like slows the, the whole thing just slows to a crawl as people have this fucking stupid dialogue that I don't give a shit about. Uh, best scene to me in the pilot was that sequence where Winston was getting the money or getting the guy to invest in the car park. And, scammed him with the guy's wife right. I, I loved that sequence and i thought this show is going to be great and then almost immediately after that is when they introduce the secondary characters in the second act and it's just from there on out it was a battle of whose show is this and i was just gonna say yeah yeah it feels I, like a different show doesn't it? it feels like you're watching several shows cut together into one it's really like who's the main character jarring actually Uh, But the action is done well. The money is spent. It's on the screen. And what I do like about these miniseries or these these shows lately that have been coming on these streaming services is that because of the budget, it's not like a regular old television show where you knew that the action or the set pieces weren't going to live up to what they could be in a theatrical experience. Now they really are damn near the. I mean, obviously John Wick is such 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 a high bar that this show can't reach it. But there are action sequences in this that are on the level. Is all I gotta say. So, but they're far, very far and few between. I mean, I think there's one or two action sequences in this whole pilot over ninety minutes. So, be warned. Uh, but no, I can't <laughs> recommend it. It's a it's regretfully a non recommendation for me, and I think you would agree as well. Yeah, I think they need to be a little more. People need to be a little more careful with um, how they what they do with these properties at this point. Um, I think they're finding that out the hard way. But um, I'd like for the lesson to already be learned. And let's move on. Let's make some good stuff. I think they learned that again this weekend with the Exorcist at the box office. Um, yeah, they just keep learning it, you know. And every it, it feels like every once in a while they they do something right, <clears throat> or people do actually wind up enjoying something and then they run with that as if uh, you know they can just keep keep doing it and it's like you can't yeah there needs to be a reset at some point um but this property i think is coming to the end of its lifespan i can't imagine john wick this world expanding past this particularly these sets of characters in another runoff series even if they make another movie it'll just be a a cash grab thing and i you know it's like well like they made that new matrix movie it you know it just ruins everything there's no point to making a movie just to, to make 
a movie. They call those cash grabs, I guess. But in this sense, these don't really feel like cash grabs anymore. They feel like people want to work on something, want to make something, but they literally can't get anything off the ground other than they're just greenlighting things that they think have a built-in audience. Well, what's also crazy is that I forgot some of these properties actually even exist, uh, that they go back and that they, they redo some of these things too. Um, I, I don't know. It's cash grabs and, and it, it, I, I don't know. The, the reboot train and the continuation of story trains. Do you remember when sequels used to be standalones? Do you remember when each yeah you know, like well, Lethal, we, we talk about watching Lethal Weapon three? That's a standalone that has nothing to do with Lethal Weapon one, and it's great. I want that. You can't be safe, you know, all the time because you run the risk of, of getting into this issue. Like if you get into these ruts where you just the only thing you want to give people the green light to make is is properties that you've heavily invested in already and you think are an easy sell, you know, and and then. Everyone's bored with it. I want to see something else. Do you, when you think of the Matrix movies, getting back to that point briefly here, mm-hmm. when you think of the Matrix movies, do you think of the fourth one? Does that even? I forgot it even exists. To be honest with you, no, I, I don't. But that's what I mean. It's yeah. it's a horrible movie, right? It's completely erased. It's so bad that it's like. Remember when they made the sequels, and it was like, oh my god, really? Like, and but I've grown to enjoy those oh, me as well. And it's like, okay, fine. Those are in it. Fine, whatever. You did that. But we're at the point now where they make movies uh, on these things, and it's like, I mean, there's a second Independence Day movie. Um, there are movies that you just fuck them, like they're just forgotten. That's how bad they are. Like they need to stop doing this, you know. Um, that they totally they did they killed Jurassic World, right? By just making horrible movies. That last one was just, I mean, fuck it. What's the point? Yeah, I forgot about um, like Jurassic World having that last one. I don't even think I saw that last one. My goodness. Because it peters out. You just stop giving a shit. Yeah, after a it's while. what it you know, is. Like, yeah. And it's unfair because, you know, look, like we can talk about like the Fast and Furious movies. Okay, but that's the Fast and Furious movies. That's not everything else. Like, I, I can't, you know, it, it's just, it's unfair. And, and as far as the Marvel stuff goes, we're seeing that, well, that came to an end and they can't, they're unable to keep it going, you know, and they shouldn't be keeping it going. They should be trying to do something new, something else, you know, and it could be very similar. They should at least take that leap. Well, that that could be the problem here too with this this Wick franchise is you're diluting it to the point. You should give it to somebody else. Someone should have something interesting to say about it. You should find someone who does that instead of saying we're just going to make John Wick uh, again. You know, in the we're just going to use this world. And I mean, literally, this is called the Continental Colon from the world of John Wick. That's the title of this fucking show. Um, that's stupid. What the fuck is that? That's that's the dumbest title in the world. Yeah, very, very little. Uh, there's has nothing to original. The there's nothing imaginative well. about it. Yeah, yeah. It should have just been called the Continental, and it should have been about the the Continental, which it seems almost in this first episode really not so much to be about. Right. It, very little of it actually takes place in the Continental. So, uh, yeah, I just think it, it, you know, opportunity lost yet again. I agree. All right, let's move on and talk about the next film tonight. That's Guy Ritchie's The Co- The Covenant. And the reason we're calling it Guy Ritchie's The Covenant is because that is what the title card says. Um, I didn't know he was that big. I think, honestly, and I'm not even being facetious when I say this, I think it's to uh-huh. remind you that he made it because this is the least stylized war movie I've seen in a long time, let alone Guy Ritchie movie, right? This is, I was thinking about things like uh, thir- um, 13 Hours know. or, uh, was that the 13 Hours, the Michael Bay one, the Benghazi movie? Um, I was thinking yeah. about, you know, we talked about Lone Survivor, but both of those are highly stylized compared to this. I mean, this is not many Those are, those are action movies. I mean, you're, you're talking about action movies. This isn't, an, well, I guess it is an action movie, but this is plays more it's a like drama. a war movie. It, it's a war drama. A drama. That's what it plays like, anyhow. And and I guess the more stylized ones are more action movies. You're right. And this is like Wind Talkers, right? In in certain way, it's got a Wind Talkers element, but it's also, um, to me, the problem with this <laughs> movie. 
was that it's weird that you say that compared. I don't. I'm no fan of wind talkers, but wind talkers is a million times better than this. I. I actually <laughs> thought I, I was won over by this movie. I got to be honest with you. It started. I thought it was a little uh-huh. disjointed. Um, it turned into these vignettes where these guys didn't like each other, and every time he didn't listen to this guy, it turned out that he was in the right. I this, thought, where are we going here? But <laughs> the I, first act of this movie is just Jake Gyllenhaal going around to all these guys and going, bro. Bro, bro, <laughs> like, like your dick is small, bro. So is yours. Oh, killer! Like, this is the most fucking nonsensical shit that no one would ever fucking say. I didn't These guys have go a problem with it. And half the time, half the time is pointless. Like, he goes and meets the the um the the head whatever of operations there, whatever the 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 commander guy. Yeah. I don't know of the, of the army that there. They just do that because they need to have it. They, their conversation is literally. Uh, you're a fucking asshole. So are you? Ha ha. Cool. We, we were fucking. Look at us, dude. We we get along. We can talk shit to each it's other. Very we really, boy. We really mean like uh, yeah. The whole movie's like that. But the only reason they have that conversation, period, ever, is because later on in the movie they need to they need to have that guy in the movie to to tell him okay like are you gonna go back like and help him to get back and do that shit. And the, the whole the, the, <laughs> the movie is just uh, not great. I actually think that it's one of the better movies I've seen this year. Um, so far, this makes my top ten list. It's been a been a shitty year of movies, so not a long distinguished list, but it is uh, in my top ten. It grew on me as it went along. I gotta even say that Jake Gyllenhaal is becoming one of my favorite actors of this generation. I didn't realize mm-hmm. how his easygoing nature, and yeah, he's not given a lot to do in that first act. But I also like, I really enjoyed their first interaction and the how that was written. Good in the this. staging in that sequence. When you know, they, although they use that trick a couple times where they're talking through the side view mirror, um, but the first yeah, time they use it, it in that sequence, I liked. I really liked when mm-hmm. he wouldn't pay the guy, and the guy comes out of his own pocket. Um, and then when you know when they has to go back to, to save him, it becomes a little bit more formula. I, I guess would be the, the best way to say it. But at that point, I was already all in, and I was invested in these characters. I think the acting um, by the guy who plays Ahmed is very strong as well. I I think he's a very good actor, and I like that his character was written the way it was. I mean, he's not a pushover. He's not particularly happy that he's working with these these Americans. And um, the the, the stuff where our guy has to think if he's going to leave him or not, uh, and and we're going to be the hero— was a little less successful to me, but ultimately I do <laughs> recommend this movie and um, uh, it grew on me. Like I, I, I have no excuse. I liked it. I, I got to recommend it. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> I wouldn't recommend it. I don't think it's directed fairly well. It's written horribly, um, but I do think it's acted very well. I agree with you on that, on that part. And, but it is, uh, I think the whole movie feels very disjointed. It feels very unauthentic, you know, it, it, people just don't, they don't speak like, people would speak they uh they do weird things they don't really act like people act i don't know they don't emote in in a way especially the jake gyllenhaal character just is it played way too rough you know he's just does he care does he not care um does he care that he doesn't care i don't like what the fuck by the time he's trying to figure out if he should go back and save this guy or not it's just like yeah i don't know what the fuck's going on with him um yeah, I don't know. It, th- th- there's not a very good action in either. Um, that surprised I, me. I don't know. Doesn't uh, make a lot the of lack sense. of action because of Guy Ritchie's very adequate action skills mm-hmm. in, in this movie. Um, it, well, it tells a great story. I mean, this is a story I didn't know about, but it's a horrific mm-hmm. story uh, that we left some of these people behind to fend for themselves uh, and the failure of that whole operation. This isn't a true story, is it? Oh. I believe it is. I believe it's Was based. It, did it say that at the beginning? It, it didn't, but I believe this is based on, on real people that are, are still over there and, and that were stranded, I want to say. Um, and... I don't know. I'm a sucker for these kind of movies in general. And when they're not overly done, I mean, if it's too in your face. I don't think this is a true story. (laughs) I I don't need Black Hawk Down every time out with that kind of hyper realism. Um, Sometimes something like that. You couldn't tell me that. You wouldn't have known that this was directed by Guy Ritchie if his name wasn't on it. If I told you Sam Mendes directed this, you would believe me. Yeah, and I think that's unfortunate. Like, I would like to have seen a little bit more. Flair? Yeah. it just something with it. It just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't really catch me at any moment. And it, like I say, it feels unauthentic. It feels like it's not very realistic. Um, 
I don't know, like when they go to to get the. Well, I guess when the, when the the main the the original main action goes down, it just feels like weird. Like why why did they only send like a couple dudes to go do this? And if it's this important, it feels I don't know. Everything about this feels just poorly written. I don't know if this story. But, let me let me clarify that. I don't know if this story is based on a true story exactly, but I know not, this I, scenario I anything here is is very common. Apparently, though, that they left guys behind that were uh, helping yeah, of us. Yeah, and stranded them. I know that's that's we yeah. <laughs> we won't get political here. Yeah, I no, won't no. say anything. That's why yes, I think yes. that it's it's based I on mean, that. One hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this the, the, I this movie was made before we pulled out of Afghanistan. Um, I think wasn't it? It was like, released right? this earlier this year, but I think um, it was made before. It was in the process or, of being well, made. I don't know. It must have been made in the process, right? Yeah, somewhere along the line. And uh, let's see. Oh, let me. I can't remember if they had if they changed how to change this because of that or not. I don't remember. It's. It, I feel like there was something about that. Also, a fairly long movie. This is a solid two hours, and uh, it, it feels when it's over. Yeah, it definitely feels like it because it has different. Uh, uh, well, the acts are very delineated. Ha- you can you can tell exactly where, yeah, where like one piece ends and one begins, mm-hmm. or another one begins because it just. I don't. It, whatever. I, <laughs> You're not recommending it, and I'm, uh, I'm done. I, I'm I am done. recommending it. <laughs> over it all right let me tell you briefly here about another war film i saw or a a make-believe war film and that is expendables four um and i should have told you about this in the beginning and it really pains me i'm trying to find the positive of this because it is as bad as you've heard it's everything that they said it wasn't (laughs) going to be when this series started there's very little practical action it's mostly to sloan ducks out right uh it uh I mean, how spoiler do you want me to get in this? Do whatever you want. I mean, I'll watch it when it comes out on video, but I don't give a shit. I've, I've already read all about it. All right. Well, so Stallone, as far as I understand, Stallone ducks out, right? So for most of the movie, they kill his character off in the beginning. And I thought, holy shit, this <laughs> movie's got some fucking balls all of a sudden. You thought it was going to be good? I thought we had some stakes. <laughs> Hey. Well, guess who right. shows up in the final act to save, and it was all a ruse. And you start thinking, of how the fuck was yeah. that a ruse? And. They got Tony Jaw and and the only person that seems to actually be acting in this movie and enjoying it and kind of understanding what's going on is Andy Garcia, who who if you don't hmm. recognize see the bad guy in this? No, he's the the new Bruce Willis is the best way to describe it. You know, he's the guy given hmm. the orders. I'm not even out. sure I saw him in any of the trailers. Um, he they had, they buried him. Was he him featured in. heavily at all? Yeah, um, I was gonna say. But he seems to be getting the music. He seems to be having some fun here with this role, and everybody else just seems to be collecting a paycheck. And Megan Fox is so out badly cast. I mean, this this movie has you believe that that they sideline Statham. Uh, she's the new Barney Ross, and she sends out with the guys. Well, he the, can go, he mm-hmm. then has to go and get her. And part of the fun of kind of watching something like this, I have to admit, I saw this uh, on vacation in a theater that had nobody in it. So it was a private screening, <laughs> and this was like watching a Canon film, you know, Canon films from the mm-hmm. 80s, in that it's so fucking ridiculous and that you're never going to see something this stupid and boneheaded again. When they walk into a bar, you know it's only to get in a fight with the guys in the bar and break shit. Uh, it's although I will say Stallone's in it more than I thought he was going to be. I thought it was going to be a scene here and there. He's pretty much in the first act, so I'll give it that. Although he's shoehorned in in the most unusual way, Statham's charismatic, but he's given little to do. Megan Fox uh, is in it for some reason. Fifty Cent is uh, is just wandering around this movie. It's so lazy that Dolph Lundgren is he a nerd in this as well. Well, Dolph Lundgren <laughs> is wearing his hair from Aquaman. And they have some throwaway line that he's online dating. I'm not kidding. He's, if you, I know. It's fucking ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It, the whole thing is ridiculous. I mean, the fact that Randy Couture is given more um, lines in this one than anybody else. You're like, what's happening here? Um, it's a, it's an utter shit show. He's the only one willing to do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, it's an utter shit show. Um, the, uh, it's a I, total bomb. I, 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 I'll say one of the worst things happening to action movies right now is the fact they think they can cast Megan Fox as an action star. Oh, it, it, it's, it's not, not happening. happening. Give up. It's so not happening. And it, it, she's. I want it to happen. Believe me. I. 
I love Megan Fox, but she's terrible in action movies. She's I've not liked a single one. She has maybe one or two good scenes in this, and also something that's strange is for continuity. Where's Charisma Carpenter, who played Statham's fiance slash girlfriend? No, Megan Fox in the is first, close enough. But she's not playing the same character. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter. Don't think about that. It's it's just it's fucking terribly written. It's uh, put together very very amateurishly, which I didn't expect because I like Scott Waugh, who did uh, Active Valor and did a Hidden Strike on uh, Netflix with John Cena and Jackie Chan. So his brother Rick Romain Waugh has done some really good movies too. But these guys are former stuntmen. I just expected something better, especially if they spent a hundred million on this movie. Where the fuck did that money go? I feel like the producers took a lot off special the top. effects. No, no special effects, Trevor. Action. When you watch these special effects, you could do better on your phone. I'm not kidding. They're laughably bad. Laughably. Maybe Sloan got a fucking paid payday, you know, here on this just to get him to come this back. This is Millennium Films. For one last time. I'm sure those guys, they're crooks. Yeah. They, they, they shoot these for the cheap across seas, inflate the budget, and take money off the top. That's always been their modus. Uh, their operating procedure, and I'm sure it's the same here. This is, thankfully, the end of the franchise. It should go no further than this, and really a sad, sad, uh, inglorious ending to what was supposed to be this beautiful comeback and was supposed to be the antidote to all the superhero shit, and now we're in a movie where everybody's a fucking cartoon (laughs) and can fly around and do crazy (laughs) shit and survive all sorts of stuff. I mean, the CGI is hey, so hey, hey. bad. Wait till you see this, man. I, I I can't wait to buy this just to put it on our Voodoo for you to watch it, so we can have a conversation in the future about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I mean, I have to watch the movie, but um, I don't know. Yeah, the I, the, the second and the and the third one are at least still a lot of fun. Um, They're masterpieces compared so to I'm this. I'm at least happy. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> masterpieces. <laughs> what I've heard. Yeah, so at least we'll always have those. You know, and the first one's rocky, but still is what it is. So Expendables at least served its point, if not, again, it's another casualty of uh, <laughs> being brought out one too many times. Oh, man, they should have left these and nine years too late, to be honest. You can't go this long. This wasn't a beloved franchise to begin with, to, to wait a decade before your your sequel comes out. So, Well, it's funny, right, that this, this was almost beloved before it, it, it came out, right? When they, when they announced The Expendables... Uh, everyone they were salivating everyone was like this is gonna be fucking amazing and then that first movie hit and it was like eh. <laughs> and uh they barely redeemed themselves with the second um and then by the third i think people just realized they didn't care and now this one it's official that worldwide nobody gives a shit because this is bombing yeah, all over the done. world uh, and it's it's really it's unfortunate it is and you know it's not Stallone's worst bomb that would be a bullet to the head which I think is unfairly which I overlooked. love yeah. talk about being in a theater by yourself watching a movie great movie um, yeah that was that was an amazing time in a theater all by myself um, I love that movie but I love action movies I want and we'll talk about this when we uh, <clears throat> get to the trailers and stuff I want action movies again I just regular action movies I want Where's my Steven Seagal? Where's my Van Damme? Where's my Schwarzenegger? Where are those movies? You know, and apparently they can't get them off the ground because they're making shit like this. It's very true. And I think we would would not see any future uh, action hero stuff. I mean, from all these guys, including uh, Statham. And we'll talk about him also in the trailer section with the beekeeper. But um, he even looked tired in this. And um, he usually looks very engaged you know, he, he's not a guy to phone it in in his movies. We well, didn't have he didn't have a giant shark to play off of. So he didn't have anybody. He had Megan Tits or Megan Tits. Megan <laughs> Fox's fake tits as a Freudian slip. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> hey, Hope the fiance know. doesn't listen to this one. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move it along here and talk. Tell me about. Totally killer because uh, to preface this, I wanted yeah. to talk about this with you because I started watching this uh, two nights ago and I got through mm-hmm. maybe 25, 30 minutes. I put it on really late and I fell asleep, but I kind of enjoyed what I saw, including um, Lachlan Moreno as the dad who was in, you know, yeah. uh, what was it, Scary Movie, you know, the, the knockoff of, He's, yeah. uh, in, in a bunch of those type movies. I always liked that guy. I think he was in Phantoms as well. Um, but anyways, this looked like a very knowing, uh, very fun. I mean, it said horror comedy. I didn't see too many laughs in that first act, but I liked the mask that they were using for this guy, kind of like a Johnny Bravo type look. Mm-hmm. Uh, but tell me about it. What did you think? 
yeah so this is uh this movie's a a, a bit on the head here around the nose i should say you know it's a uh, definitely very meta which is unfortunate i'm getting a little sick and tired of the meta stuff but it still has some last stuff when she time travels back in time her the, the teenage mom her mom whatever it's pretty fucking funny i have to admit she's a total fucking bitch um uh, and uh it's a fun horror movie i don't know if you, if you like fun silly horror movies then this is right up the you know like happy death day would be you know the 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 grand detour of of this type of genre thing and then you have uh other f- fun horror movies um like there was that vince vaughn one um freaky that was that one called uh yeah it was just called freaky yeah uh and so this is similar to that they, they make a lot of uh they talk a lot about back to the future and that's not surprisingly kind of a part of this movie as well they do jokes and all kinds of weird stuff with that um they talk about scream um i did call the killer but there's some extra twists in it that i didn't call like i i i I thought i called the killer and then i wasn't sure and then in the end i did but uh i also didn't so yeah you know there's that to look forward to fun of the movie is calling the killer right yeah it's, it's it's so it's not a stupid movie um uh, in the sense that you're just like, oh, we, I know who the killer is. This is just dumb nonsense or whatever. It actually plays out. It makes sense. Um, it's fairly brutal, but it's still funny. You know, it's just a slasher, time travel, uh, all around weird thing. I'm like I said, I'm, get, I'm getting tired of the meta stuff. Um, uh, unless it's Deadpool, I don't, I just I'm not interested anymore. It's weird to keep doing that. It's cheap writing. You know, why don't you just do the Back to the Future stuff and let people <clears throat> figure it out for themselves? You don't have to keep saying it, you know? Oh, well, you haven't seen The Flash yet, which it's, literally has a guy with a yeah, tattoo see, of it's it. It's just unnecessary to do that stuff. Like in Deadpool and stuff, it it works because he's literally making fun of the way that it, it's happening like that. Like he's kind of making fun of the shitty writing. Um, but this is ju- it's ju- just the meta stuff. Just stop, stop doing it. You can make the jokes and things, but stop with the, like, I can't believe we're in a fucking, can you believe we're in a movie? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get it. You know, but other than that, yeah, I would recommend this. If you like, uh, like the happy death day movies, especially or anything in that sense, like freaky, um, God, I can't think of any more horror comedies like this, but there are others. No, there's a whole bunch. Um, I mean, once bitten back in the day was one of my favorite, uh, Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. I used to love that. I mean, there's there's more recent ones that are more like uh, like this. But you're you're, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can go back to Idle Hands. You can go back to My Boyfriend's Dead or My Boyfriend's exactly. Back. There you I mean, go. There you get all those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of them. Very similar to that. Um, I mean, the difference here between some of the comedies you had in the '90s is that this is actually a slasher movie too. This is actually a horror movie. It's got some brutality to it. People get stabbed. There's blood. Um, yeah, there's some kills in this. You know. Um, so, but it, they, be, because it's comedy, people react in, the, in a different way. You know, there's a, some scream references and, uh, um, I don't know. It is what it is. It's, it's a, I, I guess a lower end, lower tier horror comedy <laughs> is what I would say. That's perfect for streaming. It's lots of fun. I, I, I would recommend. And an MGM release, which I was kind of uh, surprised about. I saw that logo on there. Mm-hmm. Well, it's well, yeah, Amazon, and it is now going viral. It says on their uh, elements is going viral on their streaming service at the top movie, <laughs> but uh, it's the number one thing on their service. Yeah, at the I, moment. I believe it, especially it's Halloween and stuff. You're looking for more of a fun movie. It's it's definitely it's interesting because there's um with a lot of these movies feel like you know, I don't want to say like feminine, but it, they they have that very like girlish approach to them where because you're kind of making fun of it it makes it less real so you know girls would be more attracted to watch it maybe that's my that problem with sense. the final girl and so the, and things like that it softened it up a little yeah. bit yeah it was a little it was a little too jokey so this does that too well that's what freaky does and that's what even though they they, they go <clears throat> you know pretty gory and, and they go the full way that if it was a real slasher movie without all the jokes and stuff it would still be done in this way uh, the way that characters react to things is totally ridiculous in the moment and stuff. And so it's less scary. So I think that that gets them, um, I guess more eyeballs. Cause for 
true horror fans, you're still going to have fun with it. And for people who don't normally watch horror because they don't want to be scared, can watch this and they won't be scared. Yeah, it's it's light. And that's usually why they had back in the day in the eighties. Uh, with the slasher movies, they'd have the kill and then the comic relief moment, right? So it's like a little laugh to to let you know that it's all good. And um, and some, I mean, not not most. <laughs> I, well, I mean, most slasher movies that I've seen didn't have no. a lot of comedy, and it wasn't until we got meta, it wasn't until you got Scream or or things like that where shit got meta and people started calling out how stupid things were in slasher movies. I mean, I, I guess in that sense, they were funny because there's a lot of I feel of like in some of those old movies. Jason movies, like in the mid ones and the mid 80 ones and on. That's what I mean. They would so, say certain stuff. But those stuff. are stupid, but those are just dumb, right? And that's kind of what it, I don't know. I mean, to some extent, Freddy Krueger's ridiculous. Like, he's a clown at some points. That's true. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. That was kind of, I think, the point of like... Uh, a lot of like what we got the slasher films in the nineties was that it's just ridiculous, you know, but they embraced it. And so I don't know this, this movie, it does that as well. Like tongue in cheek. It's not a, you know, it's not being cruel. It's just having fun. I will check it out. Cause uh, it's Halloween and I do like that mask. You think we're going to see a lot of those masks on Halloween? Yeah. I think it's going to be a big seller this year. I don't, I, I doubt it. <laughs> it's no uh, ghost face. <laughs> Highly doubt it. Who's trick-or-treating? I don't think people trick-or-treat very much anymore. So. You mean you don't? I was I was going to show up at your house with my pillow sack and ask for some candy. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tickle your sack. Don't worry. I'll take that fentanyl pill, please. Thank you. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's lastly talk about the trailers for tonight's show, and that's going to be the first one on the list is going to be John Woo's return to American cinema with Joel Kinnaman, the guy who did the Robocop reboot about 10 years ago, in a Christmas-themed action film titled Silent Night, where the lead character has no dialogue. I wasn't clear if there's no dialogue in the whole film or just no dialogue for the main character. But with John Woo's uh, per, you know, command of the language, we, 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 you know, we've seen him speak in person, and mm. it's not very clear. Well, other people had there was dialogue in the in the trailer trailer was there not I mean, there was but i didn't know if that was just you know peripheral if this is like mostly just a silent film well it did feel that way but the, it's not totally silent yeah. but i i see what you're saying yeah i think you're right i think it is mostly supposed to be just a ridiculous action movie right i mean this looks like a lot of fun i want to see this i want to see it too but i'm uh, a little to totally honest with you. concerned that it looks slightly cheap did you notice that a couple times that this, some of the shots? No, no I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it looks like an action. Well, let me tell you this. It looks like all three of these movies. It looks like I'm back at 20 years ago, <laughs> right? It looks like these, all these movies are like, seriously, these are like early two thousands movies. Um, like the, the, we got two early two thousands action movies. Like I was just asked for my Steven Seagal. Well, clearly the beekeeper here. Um, Silent Night. This is just John Woo movie. It looks like it. Feels like it. Like I want to see this. Um, and Dream Scenario would be like what, what uh, like a Kaufman type movie. Yeah, totally, um, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so early two thousands for these. I mean, I think I don't know. Does it look cheap? I guess you know, Mission Impossible Two has its moments where it looks kind of cheap too. I it's a John Woo movie. I don't. I don't know. Which what, what do you mean by there was cheap? A, like, there was which, a shot uh, specifically where the, they're playing with the, before the kid gets shot, and the, the gangbangers are driving, and it's an, it's like an upper shot where the cars come around the corner and they're shooting at each other. And it just looked very yeah. small and, and straight to video, and I, it, it I mean, gave me yes. a bad taste. I mean, there were other parts of it. That, it's hard to say that one shot ruined the trailer for me, but I just my, my defenses went up because wrong, I've been sold before on John Woo, and he's done some real low-budget shit like Blackjack <laughs> and Once Upon a Thief and things like that. Yeah. So I was a little concerned about that. I don't think you're wrong. That's just what it's just that type of action movie. I think you're going to get shots like that. And it's practical. If you go back and you, if (laughs) there's some really terrible CGI in this, uh, it looks like, but I truly, there's some really bad CGI, but, um, I don't know. It's John Woo. I don't think he's going to like adapt that much and be making a movie for today's audiences, so to speak. You know, he's going to make a John Woo movie. And this might be the last uh, American film released, you know, American distributed John Woo film because he's getting up there in age. He's got to be in his 70s now. I mean, he's not a young man. Yeah. And he's been making these kind of films for a long time. So 
Uh, I will be seeing this. Is this going to be released to theaters? I, I didn't catch if this was going to be a cinema's release or a DVD or yeah, Christmas, streaming. Great. Uh, theaters releases uh, December 1st. Okay, great. Even better. We need more action cinema, even though... Um, you know, I went and supported Expendables, even though it's That's what terrible. I want. At least I went and saw it. Yeah, I, not Expendables, but I want action movies like real action movies. And that looks like a real action movie to me. And it might have moments, like you say, of cheapness, or it might be not completely up to date, I guess, in slickness. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not John Wick, you know, and I think that's important. I don't want everything to be John Wick. I, it's just... It's bad to latch on to that kind of shit. Well, we had that with know? the Bournes for a decade and a half, you know, where everything was Jason Bourne. Yeah, yeah I don't, I, the slickness, I'm done. I'm good with the slickness. I want to go back to someone directing something, something doing, uh, dare I say, something artistic, you know, which is crazy to think that a John Woo's doing something artistic when everyone thought all this shit was silly. But seriously, like Michael Bay might be the most artistic fucking action director today. <laughs> At least it's ridiculous. I can say that can't this: be true, right? if I go see a John Woo film or a Michael Bay film, I know I'm not seeing somebody ripping off Christopher Nolan. I'm seeing somebody ripping off Tony right. Scott or that, something like or that. It's not just someone who's just servicing, you know, who's just sitting in the chair saying action, you know, as they just make the same fucking John Wick like slick action film that they do, like while the stunt team just you know does the whole movie, right? Um, so we'll see how this goes. Although I'm a sucker for Christmas set or winter themed action films, um, a la this Reindeer Games or silly, Die Hard 2. I mean, I love those movies. So yeah, this looks right up my alley. I don't think this has, it's just weird because the beginning, obviously, I mean, the Christmas, only Christmas thing in this is his sweater. Right. And the title. <laughs> and then after that, it's like, eh, it's not Christmas. It's just a revenge it's movie. It's Christmas Eve. Like, uh, okay. He's got, he's got a know, reindeer. Hey, it's a. Yeah, what it is is an excuse to go watch an action movie. So hey, I'm I'm good. I'm I'll there. Take it. Uh, speaking of action films in the winter season, we're gonna be talking about the Beekeeper next. This is Jason Statham's umpteenth action film where he plays a man out for revenge. The difference is that this is directed by David Ayer. And while I was laughing initially at the trailer when he's going after telemarketers on phishing scams, I actually thought that this was pretty damn good by the end and was I was like, damn it, I'm getting sold on another Jason Statham action fucking movie I'm going to go see. <laughs> I'm all yeah. in. This looks fucking awesome. Surprising, right? Me? Holy shit. It's fucking ridiculous. The premise is stupid. This dude <laughs> is chewing up dudes and spitting them out, and he's just fucking the shit out of everybody. If, I love it. And it, it's it's just Statham. I, I mean, this is... This is fucking. This is what Steven. This is like Steven. So this Jason Statham, fucking action star at this point. If you see, watch this trailer. It's just Jason Statham. Like he's the last fucking action star standing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and on. T- he really is. Who else would make a movie like this? This stupid, and you'd watch it and be like, it's fucking awesome. The only other person that would make it and would get released right now is Liam Neeson, and that's barely hanging on anymore. But he's not. I still just don't see him as an action star. He sits there and talks all throaty and stuff. And that's supposed to be like his, you know, he's just hard. He's just sitting around with, you know, the hard dick the whole time. Like, I'm going to fuck you if you don't watch out. And that's his whole fucking shtick. And that's it, you know, pretty much. But Statham's like fucking people up. In this. And I love that, of course, he's not just a beekeeper. That really means he's part of a secret outfit that keeps the world in line when things get out of whack and the natural balance to things and uh, whatever it may be. It looks like it gets real convoluted and real fun. And, you know, as for every Expendables 4 you get, you also get a Wrath of Man, which I thought was really, really underrated. I loved Wrath of Man. And um, I, I just think that Statham is not only carrying the torch for the, the last of the action heroes currently and he's getting up there as well and um but he's so damn charismatic yeah i mean you just i just like watching him on screen he's he he just he's a likable very charismatic guy and i think he's poorly used in those fast and furious movies um and i thought that he was only doing Mm -hmm. those to, to get his international profile higher so then he does things like the expendables um it helps those but obviously that's not happening um but hopefully beekeeper does better maybe I also like that this is a uh, David Ayer movie, which I have a love hate relationship. Yeah, you really with, do. With you really Ayer. do have a love hate relationship. So, with him. Much like uh, much like Guy Ritchie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to to see David Ayer pull something out of his ass here. It's just fucking awesome. Um, Must be inter- again, in, is this independently yeah. produced as well? Because uh, I know he was on the shit list of most studios for a while. Ayer and. Uh, 
uh, why? Because of the whole suicide thing, the Suicide Squad thing. I mean, wasn't uh, the last film he did independently produced too, the one with Shia LaBeouf, the tax collector? I think he's been working oh, on the independent, well, and with mean, the Fast and maybe. Furious thing, he he's been bitching about. He ate shit on that. I mean, he, I don't know what he's bitched about. He ate shit on the fucking Suicide Squad thing, right? I mean, that his, uh, um, he doesn't like that cut of the movie, but he went around saying it was the greatest fucking thing he's ever made, right? Um, I mean, he ate, he, he, he did his part. Uh, so I would be surprised if the studios felt well he was talking big him. shit recently about not getting any sort of compensation for fast and furious well, that he created that whole franchise that he made toretto and those kids it was set <laughs> in jersey he changed it to la yeah. he did a lot yeah. of uncredited work on that screenplay he's also been talking shit about suicide squad stuff now too so i don't know what i don't know what happened I mean, you might be right um but uh he's def i mean the whole he's laid the whole truth out about suicide squad doesn't like it there's a his director's cuts out there somewhere and it's fucking a way different movie it's way better this and that and all that shit so you know who he's like he, he's like a, a slightly more mild version of joe carnahan you know the fucking wild man to some extent who's out yeah. there always running his mouth I, mean, I think he he him and guy Ritchie have a lot in common as well like all those guys are kind of they're really second tier directors that every once in a while just knock it out of the fucking park in some cases, more than every once in a while, I'd say Guy Ritchie has a couple classics under his name, and uh, it's arguable. I Ayer guess as well. I mean, I would I would argue differently, <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I mean, yeah, that's that's true. But but that's my point is that you uh, these guys are people who direct movies that sometimes are very forgettable as far as you know audiences go. That they just nobody gives a shit, and sometimes they make kind of almost cult classic type things that people really love and uh i think that's gonna be the case for our next film which will be the last film we talk about on tonight's show which is dream scenario a24's release with right. nicholas cage written by charlie kaufman i mean it's not but it should be it's the most charlie <laughs> it's the, kaufman script he never wrote charlie kaufman script. Uh, i <laughs> loved i put a couple uh, was it two years ago that uh un unbearable weight of massive talent the nicholas cage film i put that on my uh -huh. 10 best list if not on my top of it I this movie looks just as compelling to me as that. If it is uh, ultimately, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. But this trailer is cut very, very well. This is the kind of trailer that would have blown the roof off of audiences. If this was 1996, this would have been a huge holiday uh, movie. Oh, it's early 2000s. Uh, yeah, honestly. I mean, tell tell me this is not early 2000s. 100. Charlie Kaufman, early yeah, 2000s. Spike Jones. I mean, this is the weirdest lineup of fucking uh, yeah of trailers I've seen like this because I feel like I'm I've been I'm like I feel like I'm in the time machine. I've gone back in time. But I agree with you. This is about a guy who uh, is so common looking, I guess, that people dream about him. That he's just, and but he's just in their dreams, right? He's just kind of in the background, and everyone recognizes him. And he realizes that this is happening, and he uh, becomes famous, right? For because everyone, re oh, this guy is in my dreams. I do dream of him. I all this kind of stuff. But then it looks like the dreams go bad and people start not liking him so much. And he has to deal with the fame and the unwanted um, attention of the whole thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so this is a pretty classic A24 uh, type movie here. It's highly intelligent. It looks like there's going to be a lot of thematic elements and, and really a lot like Charlie Kaufman stuff, you know, um, which is, uh, you know, it's just meaty stuff to watch, right? You're going to be thinking the whole time and then taking things in and trying to uh, to connect the dots here between how things work and, I guess, high art, but good high art. It also looks like Cage is working his ass off in this movie. That's the other thing, right? But he's been in Charlie Kaufman movies before, so it's not surprising. Well, e even right? if we're getting away from the Charlie Kaufman, this looks like it could have been um, like a Gore Verbinski. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like other guys he's worked yeah, at. Like, yeah, actually, Or even yeah, the Coen sure. brothers. This kind of has that kind of vibe to it, too. I agree. It does. It, yeah. like, there's a weird urgency, like a dangerous... It's of a different time. A dangerous you know? <laughs> urgency to this movie, it feels like. And you're like, hmm, what's going on? There seems to be a darker undercurrent to this <laughs> than they're really landing on to. Um, and that's what I want to get to the heart of when i see this like like really right. what's the they kind of show that a glimpse of that at the the end of the trailer yeah. um but i'm i'm really ecstatic <gasps> about this one i can't wait to watch this movie I, I this might end up once again on my top 10 list just from seeing the trailer here well this comes out november 22nd Perfect. um i don't know if that's wide or not i imagine it's a 24 sometimes they have weird release they, they, they stagger um, things for quite a while 
Unless it's a horror film. Sometimes they have limited releases in the beginning. Sometimes they don't. I don't know. They're weird. But November 22nd, anyhow. Uh, excellent. So this is right at... They'll probably play by you. You're you're by a big city. Right so. in time for... And you know what? Um, his last film, The Retirement Plan, which was a little straight-to-DVD movie, was playing theatrically mm-hmm. here. Just like The Kill Room was the other day with Joe Manganiello and Morgan Freeman and I think Renee Zellweger. It's got a strange cast. Um, mm-hmm. Every time I look at listings now it's it's either Bollywood films or like straight to DVD movies so I think they're just trying to fill up the marquee oh. right now during the week our I mean the films here in my t- city have are just all major films there's almost no small are they stuff. doing a bunch of re-releases but I'm sure if I went to a like they've had Rain for, Man which, Back to the Future The Exorcist well, I don't know maybe I do they because they have uh uh, what is that thing called? It's not Fandango, but um, oh, you're talking about Fathom events, Fathom. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we do have Fathom stuff, so I see they play the old movies like that, um, up here too. But I don't know; those are usually so such limited uh, engagements and stuff. I mean, I don't know. The Taylor Swift movie's coming out though, so I, I guess everyone's gonna go see Thank that. Thank God, and else. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've already pre-ordered it's your about tickets. Time. I'm, <laughs> yeah, tickets exactly. Um, I'm going to all the shows. Yeah, I, I'm going to make a bet that they're going to extend that engagement. I think that I, I think that's going to sell extremely well. I heard that you're going to wear a diaper so that you can piss yourself. So you won't miss any of the musical numbers during the performance. Is it, well, it's not. It's not that long, is it? <laughs> Are you getting worried now? You might wear a diaper. <laughs> You're like, shit. I wasn't planning on it, but how many beers I got? How, long how many is beers this? do you have to crush to get through it? I mean, that's the real question. Right? Oh god. I hey man, they serve beer down here at this uh, theater. Maybe that's what you'd have to do if you had to go Fuck watch that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's what. The, it's nice to know though that you could do this because if you had a a daughter, could you imagine paying for those fucking tickets, man? I I'd be like, nah. You're waiting. You're gonna see it. In the oh theater. yeah, yeah. We're, we'll we'll see it four <laughs> times in the theater on the same yeah, day. At that yeah. Point. Exactly. And paying a thousand dollars. I'll fucking order you a poster nah. and a shirt on Amazon. You have it the day of. We see mm-hmm. it in the theater. You're all good. Buy the Blu-ray. You watch it yeah. all you want. <laughs> She's as likely to see you in the audience from the fucking movie screen as she is from the <laughs> stage anyway. So you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 390. We want to thank you guys for joining us. As always, can't believe we're this many episodes in, but it's been a fun ride. And uh, stay with us. We're going to look back at a couple old movies on the next podcast. We'll be back with you with a whole slew of new releases. As always, you can check out our old reviews at moviemavericks.com and our past podcast libraries on there as well. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! Engage!